and we're back. You know, the last time we recorded one of these was November 2019. Uh, and since then, Andrew almost, and I... Almost a year ago. Do have, you remember the intro? Yeah, oh yeah. Andrew oh, yeah. and I have been uh, up in Kunlun with uh, Danny Rand, uh, mm-hmm. practicing our mental jujitsu. So what did we miss, guys? What did we miss? Um, Literally just came straight here to yeah. Koji's house. We, we, Nothing seems out of the ordinary. Well, the thing is, like, time doesn't work the same way in Kunlun, apparently. Um, anyway, welcome to You Gotta Love It, the show where you tell us and the rest of the world the things that you love that we might have missed, the show where you come to discover the best things you never knew existed, and the show where you force us to sit through the worst entertainment you can find and say, well, you gotta love it. Got it! Nailed it! Remember Incredible. How, how hard it was in the beginning? Oh, yeah, I do. Uh. Uh, I'm very impressed. And now it's in there. I was worried for a second there. It's like uh, trying to rap along no, to your favorite you song, and then you like mumble some of the words. Uh, yeah, we're back. Uh, this is a non-traditional episode of the show because we are going to talk about all the things that we've been up to, uh, you know, since maybe not the last episode, but at least since uh, COVID and quarantine. Yeah, a lot has happened. Yeah, this is just going to be kind of a warm up, I guess, a warm up episode because it has been a it has been a it's been a long time. Yeah. <laughs> if you were to listen to episode after episode on the website, no time will pass for you. But just know that whereas it was usually a couple weeks or sometimes only one week between episodes, this has been almost a year. Yeah. And a very uh momentous, I mean, just turbulent crazy year i mean my quarantine started before covid january 1st i broke my ankle into about a thousand pieces and i was there rode in the ambulance it was (laughs) fuck yeah that's crazy i i somehow forgot about that i forgot that for like half this year yeah you like couldn't walk along with the olympic hopeful climber uh oh my god i'm blanking on his name the guy with the blonde hair and the bowl cut was also there climbing that day oh yeah crazy anyway uh let's get to the show so we made a list of the top five things that we uh have enjoyed about uh covid and quarantine and staying at home because that is the ultimate you gotta love it yeah right yeah i mean i yeah on the one hand i think like in all seriousness um a lot of awful stuff has happened this year but one takeaway that probably people are also sick of hearing because everybody's really anxious is this idea that like, if you are able to, um, it's provided sort of like a reset for people. Like if you're lucky enough to like have your health and to like not be put in, um, a compromising situation because of like your work or whatever the case may be, it's sort of like, um, you know, at least in our social circles, I feel like it's kind of forced a lot of people to, um, slow down, so to speak. Like it gives you time to sort of re-energize and catch up. Yeah. If you're able to balance that with the, uh, horrible anxiety of just day to day, day to day life in 2020. Gave me time to slow down and have a baby. That's right. That's also a thing that happened since our last episode. Wow. That's so crazy. Yeah. So, you might hear some crying in the background, and this time it won't be Andrew. Koji's a dad. I am. Okay, so top five things that we enjoyed or have been enjoying about quarantine. During? during? Oh, about that. Are we doing like about the actual... No, no, no. Like like th- things that we consume, media that we consume. Yeah, like, yeah, right, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, not not the actual... Although, is there is there one thing you can point to that you liked about you know, this whole terrible situation. I know what mine is. I just had a, a, a child and this whole work from home situation, not that I couldn't do that before, but it's really forced everyone's hand. If you're able to work from home that you now do that. And it's given me a lot of time to be home uh, with the child, you know, while I'm working. Right. And I, in, in some ways it's hard. Obviously people are confronting that situation now and figuring out how to work around it. But for me, because it's a very young infant, I haven't missed a lot of the moments that I may have missed if I wasn't working from home that's or just remote working. Like I was able to go to Montreal for a week and work from there. So, I mean, that's a really good one. I'm not going to come up with anything that that's better than that. So, 
No, not I mean nothing really. I the like, I have one for you. Um, and I know that you're you're too uh, emotionally stunted of a man to say it, but it really you met somebody right before. That's true. And it kicked it into high gear. Yeah, right? yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah no well that's one of the things on this on my list that we'll get we'll get to that that's a good segue maybe yeah. we can use that as an example so what is your number five um my number five uh so i kind of cheated with my list but this is one of the only entries that's just like a single thing yeah and number five was devs for me okay um that is also on my list yeah was a number it was at the last spot no it's number three on my list are yours in order of Some, significance? Somewhat in order of significance. So but I just, it's, I mean, it may be recency bias because I watched it like I finished it about a week ago. You've watched the whole thing? Yeah. Spoiler we'll alert. Ju- yeah, we'll just keep calling. Well, whatever. We, I don't even want to get into any spoilers because if we're, once again, if we're recommending it and you haven't seen it, I don't want to like, there's, yeah. you know. By the writer and director of Ex Machina, right? Yeah, Alex Garland. Mm-hmm. Uh, I learned so yeah so first of all devs came out basically right as this whole situation was really being kicked into overdrive in North America I think came out in like March I'm not sure I think it started before quarantine for sure early very early early this year earlier this year um it was a show on FX um starring Nick Offerman Nick Offerman um some lesser known actors but everybody was stellar uh, Allison Pill is in it as well. That's correct. Canadian, yeah. Canada represent. She's um, uh, in another item on my list, by the way, but we'll get there. Um, is it? Is there? Is Allison Pill having like a a, a renaissance? A, a renaissance. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be sweet. She's great. Um, anyway, Alex Garland, uh, who did Ex Machina, um, among other things, I found out so much about him because I didn't really know what he was involved in before he just started making sweet movies like Annihilation and Ex Machina and the show. But yeah, he basically has just been steeped in, plugged in to like writing um, and kind of working behind the scenes on a ton of amazing science fiction films going back like years. Right. Like uh, Danny Boyle, a lot of Danny Boyle movies. So he's kind of like the Judd Apatow science fiction. Yeah. Of like cool. I mean, I guess not always like high science fiction, but just like, I mean, it's like right up my alley. I mean, yeah, he started in like golden girls or something, right? Judd, didn't he? Something like that. Uh, I don't, he, he worked on, um, Larry I should Sanders know this show. cause we were just watching, uh, um, his masterclass. Oh really? Yeah. yeah I know he, he worked on the Larry Sanders show. Larry Sanders show. Uh, anyway. Um, great show. It's a great show. If, the the one thing that I love about it is that it is unapologetically his creation, uh, Alex Garland. That is in that I like read an interview with him, and you know I I didn't read a lot of like bad press or like um, criticism of this show, but I definitely would say that if you're the type of person that doesn't enjoy something that is slower, mm-hmm. to avoid it because you know. People, I suppose, had made the argument that he could have just made this as a film, like right. one of his other films. And, uh, you know, they felt that it could have used some editing. There's a lot of really, really long shots and seemingly like superfluous I remember visuals. you telling me that before I saw it, and yeah. I didn't feel that at all. To me, it kind of felt like Blade Runner 2049 or something. Oh, yeah. No, I didn't feel it either, but I think that's also... I mean, we like this kind of stuff. Right. But the other thing was just like, he was basically like, well, no, like I the medium i wanted to use this medium for that reason like those if you basically if you didn't feel that those shots or those moments yeah had a purpose then you're kind of like missing the the point you know what i mean not that there was like a point he was making but he was definitely trying to it's a very atmospheric very moody show like it makes you feel like he he really sets a tone in a lot of the 100 the intros are incredible by the way oh yeah and it's so good. If anything feels long, when you get to the end, I feel like knowing what the end is, you might think that it's intentional. Absolutely. And that's I think that's what he was trying to get at in this excerpt from this interview that I read without giving anything away, where it's just sort right. of like, you know, um, particularly, I mean, we've we've talked about this in tons of episodes, but I think that there's like a today's average viewer 
maybe has a shorter attention span. Right. Some, you know, you could make the argument that that's not giving people enough credit, but I think generally, uh, unless it's like it won best picture and thus people feel like it's something they should enjoy. Yeah. There's a lot of things where if you just come into it cold and you're not prepared to like actually sit and immerse yourself in something, it can be very, um, difficult for people to like appreciate it the same way. Yeah. And this is a show like that. Like there's, um, but it's, it's totally worth it. Like I, I, especially the back quarter of the show. Yeah. Like the final two episodes, I guess. Um, there were lulls, but the lulls weren't like, I'm bored of the show. It just like, it felt like there was times where I was like, okay, it's kind of settled down a little bit. It settles into a rhythm, but like the, the payoff is like totally worth it. Yeah. I didn't even feel a lull, but I completely agree that the payoff is very worth it. It's a very, uh, Alex Garland esque, uh, I don't know, premise and, and payoff. And, uh, don't let the Nick Offerman of it all fool you. It is not a comedy. Oh, that's the other thing that we should at least like. It sounds th- like it's th- going to be like a workplace, like oh. slapsticky, you know, the office, but nerds parks. Yeah. Parks and rec and Silicon Valley combined. Yeah. No, it's, um, that was another amazing thing is that, I mean, I, I never, I never doubted that Nick Offerman was talented, but I'd really only seen him in things that made me laugh. Even, yeah. even in a movie like risk cutters where he's has like a very brief, cameo in that movie um i don't even know if you call it a cameo it was like very i think well earlier in his career like he wasn't as much of a known quantity i don't think but and that was pretty serious but um yeah like it's it's wild i've never seen him in anything like this before right and he does it's like natural like it's like it seems like if if you were to sit somebody down and you were to show them devs before showing them Parks and Rec, fucking Twenty One Jump Street, anything that he's been in since, right? That would seem alien to them. Like they yeah. would see they would see Parks and Rec and they would just be like, "What? Like yeah. this guy's also funny because it just seems so natural that he's just this like tortured isn't the right word, but like um, I don't know. He just I guess his face. He just also has such a like. Um, emotive face yeah you know like it's just it was really perfect perfect casting it's uh yeah pretty interesting my favorite part without giving anything away is the scene on the bridge with the young kid and allison pill yeah and uh it can go a multitude of ways and i mean that also in a multitude of ways yeah but uh yeah fascinating um It's, it's such a good idea that we need more science fiction like that, and I think it's going to be maybe not harder to make it, but it's like what we talked about even a couple of years ago. With um, remember when uh, the Channing Tatum, Mila Kunis, what was that? Remember the sci-fi where it was like everybody go see this in theaters, or science fiction will die. No, um, Channing Tatum and Mila yeah, he Kunis. has like that like elf ears, the alien. You remember where she's like a princess that's been like working as like a housemate. Why can't I think of what this film is called? We watched it. We did an episode. I have no idea. I'll look it up. But yeah. the whole point was that, um, you know, because of superhero films or blockbusters and the way that like film was going, yeah, it was getting harder and harder to make a movie like say like Arrival or like, or, or Ex Machina. Like those movies are going to be harder and harder to come by because, uh, you know, they're just not pulling in the money at the box office anymore to justify right. the cost of making them. Well, hold on to your butts for Dune. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't. I, it might have been a bit of an alarmist article at the time, and when we were talking about it, but like, well, but the 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 quantity here or the the saleability of the movie isn't the genre or Jupiter Ascending. Oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Twenty fifteen. Uh, it, it's more the uh, Danny Villeneuve factor, right? Right. Like, he's he's got license to do what he wants and yeah, he's yeah. chosen to and as opposed to anything else. But it's interesting that you mentioned superhero movies because that brings me to my number five, which is somewhat of a superhero movie. It is Jamie Foxx's and Joseph Gordon-Levitt's Project Power. I don't know if you saw this on Netflix. Uh, haven't watched it yet. Netflix. Uh, went in with pretty low expectations, had a Saturday off and uh, flipped on Netflix, turned it on. I was like, okay, this is going to be probably a terrible movie like 
what you expect is like a straight to video type movie, but then you see the names Jamie Foxx and Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and you think to yourself, okay, well, how bad can this really be? And what I saw in the end, uh, for those of you who don't know, the premise of the movie is uh, somebody's come up with a drug that when you take it temporarily gives you, uh, I guess, superpowers, but like your power could be to become the human torch, but then you are actually burning right, or freezing yeah. uh, or whatever. So like it can go horribly awry. But also it can just go, you know, you can become super strong or bulletproof or whatever. And it's like five minutes you take this drug. And uh, this unknown entity has released it into the streets of, um, um, oh my God, New Orleans. And uh, it's being sold as like a street drug. And it's this is kind of like an underground human trial, essentially. Uh, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt is a cop. And um, uh, Jamie Foxx is the father of someone who's been kidnapped by the people who are perpetrating this whole thing. I won't give too much away, but that's essentially the movie. And I loved it. And the one thing that I love the most about it is for this whole action-packed superhero genre, this is the first time in a long time I've seen a movie that's self-contained. Like, you didn't watch the movie being like, Oh yeah, you're ready for the next There's one. A stinger at the end. You know, it's yeah. not it's not about the next movie, and it because a lot of the times, like even going back to something like Batman Begins, you know, essentially that movie, while a fine movie, is world building and exposition for the next movie. Right. You know, they're setting you up so that they don't have to introduce anything. Especially later. in the superhero genre. Yeah. Or like a comic book. Yeah. Well, po- in, in a post MCU world, it's like insane, but like. Well, they're always setting you up for the next thing. This isn't, uh, you know, it starts off with some exposition, obviously, because you need to know what world you're living in. But it doesn't, it's self-contained. So when it ends, you're like, oh, that was a great story. It's not like, oh, yeah, we just like hold on to your butts for Project Power 2 because yeah. the drug's going to get even crazier. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it's Can just I just a fun say, ride. I don't know if you ever um, come up with like ideas for things. Mm-hmm. like story ideas and then like jot them down or make a note and you're like oh, i should do something with this someday okay it the, what you've described is essentially somebody like i i did a comic book when i was in illustration um at school one of one of my classes the assignment was to like do a comic book for narrative illustration and the comic that i wrote was basically this idea but <clears throat> Uh, I hadn't figured out because I'm not like a skilled writer. I hadn't figured out how to kind of tie it all together. Um, so it's like funny hearing you describe it because I'm like, oh, now I really do want to watch it because the the idea that they've made it or that they're selling it as a drug, right. having not seen the movie, I don't know if there's some sort of like, you know, deeper layer, but I'm like, oh, fuck that makes like so much sense. And that would have like tied together all these other elements of this, of this story yeah. Um, that I had made as like a, something that I was like, Oh, I'd love to revisit this and flesh this out maybe to make like my own graphic novel at some point, because it was basically about um, at least how the powers affect people. Yes. Yeah. Like it was like, let's look at like superheroes or superpowers as not necessarily like, you know, you're kind of rolling the dice or it's something that's out of your control. Right. But in a more literal sense than say like X-Men where like they just learn to control them. Like this is like a more detrimental than it is, you know. Right. More dangerous, I should say. Also interesting, um, and I neglected to mention, is the movie actually also stars, and I'm uh, apologizing that I forget her name, a young black woman who uh, essentially gets caught up in this whole mess. She is a low-level street dealer trying to make some money for you know, her family and whatever. And she gets caught up in this whole thing. And it's, it kind of centers around her. Well, also, you know, uh, with, uh, Jamie Foxx and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, like being around, but it's, it's a uh, kind of refreshing that the, even though they had those stars, they still decided to make the movie. It's kind of like the old guard. I don't know if you saw the old guard. Didn't but, watch uh, that either. Uh, another, also based on a comic book. Yes. Another interesting one, but also clearly, setting up for potential next movies, which is why I chose Project Power over Old Guard, because Old Guard was kind of fun as well. Uh, Anyway, what is your number four? 
I think this is where I started to cheat a little bit because I think I broke this into sections so that number four is, um, let's see what I put here. Pull up the old list. Yeah, number four, um, I just put under the heading old films because having months of, you know, quarantine time. Yeah. Um, it wasn't just new content of which there's been relatively little comparatively little coming out this year but also catching up on things we may have missed yeah um i only put two so as not to take up too much time but two of the movies that um that i watched were they came together starring paul rudd and amy poehler and like a fucking stellar cast if you like the either of those people like like um bill haters in it just like a stack cast like comedy comedic actors and the other film was the invitation I don't want to talk about the invitation at all. Okay. Other than to say that you should watch that movie. Mm-hmm. Everybody should watch that movie. It's uh, and go into it completely blind. Don't watch the trailer. Don't read about it. Look it up on Netflix. Cue it up. The only thing that I will say to give it a little bit of context, just in case you're the type of person that isn't into this kind of thing, is that I'll say that we're approaching the time of year where this movie is very fitting okay but uh yeah watch that with no i think lucas recommended it a couple years ago <clears throat> pardon me where it came when it came out but um yeah it was a real it was a real trip and then the other one they came together i don't know how everybody that i that we know missed this movie because it's from the team that brought you what hot American summer, <laughs> right? Among other projects, the two stars are Amy Poehler and Paul Rudd, and then everybody else in it is a recognizable, like, you know, known commodity. How, 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 yeah, in like, but not just like, oh, it's like fucking some random comedic actor that we don't really like. Like, it's all people that are in things that we love. Right. Um. Same same situation. Uh, Neve and I queued this up didn't know really anything about it um wondered how we had missed the movie it looks like a romantic comedy and uh the premise for this one it's not really a spoiler but i didn't even read the description so it was a surprise to me is that it's a spoof of a romantic comedy genre and it's great if you're into that kind of thing right if you're into the other things all of these people have worked on i feel like you would love this movie right um but yeah, we had a good laugh, a real good laugh. That's my that's my number four. Both those. Well, my number four is also a comedy. It is uh, Judd Apatow's King of Staten Island. Mm. That's on my list. I just put it in a different section. Right. It's. I mean, it is a comedy, but I feel like, in the same way that Funny People was a comedy. Yeah. But I I also feel like this is. Uh, it's like. Watching the first, I don't know, third or half of Funny People, like the, the best part of it, and and then just being like, okay, that Eric Bana stuff just never happened. Right. That's what this movie feels like to me. It's just like, okay, I'm gonna make a, no, somewhat comedic, somewhat serious movie, uh, and it's going to be like unapologetically about this comedian, and his life, and it's more going to be tailored to him than you know than apatow yeah uh and i think it really encapsulates uh pete davidson pretty well did you see big time adolescence i did i mean i don't want pete davidson to get typecast but i would watch that movie like he's he's, 10 times over he's really got that i don't know if that's like just his his energy yeah you never know you know what i mean like who knows what's really going on in the mind of of any actor or comedian but like nailed it yeah both times like yeah all right the battery died on us but we're back and as i was saying uh if you had to encapsulate uh uh oh my god why can't i think of his name who were we just talking about pete davidson pete davidson if you had to encapsulate pete davidson's sort of characters as a sound it would be ray romano's oh <laughs> you know that noise he makes that was a poor impression but that's it. Like, h- him as a character is just that. It's just kind of yeah. like, 
shrugs shoulders like yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah yeah um but yeah great movie uh it's great and then and like most apatow projects there is like a touching well i mean that probably was obvious if you had even seen the trailer but um yeah i don't know though it kind of leaves you feeling warm you know as opposed to big time adolescence doesn't really make you feel warm you're kind of just like Whew. yeah it's, it's, a, it's a toughie <laughs> just like it's not like depressing but you're just kind of like well that's i mean i grew up in a small town so i i'm pretty sure i probably knew a couple of people like Pete you know, character yeah Pete like his character and that but um yeah kingston Island was great but it, it, it's less slapsticky than you might expect out of Apatow, if you you know are a fan of say the forty year old virgin or knocked up or one of those movies, this is definitely more heartfelt and more I don't know real. Yeah, I suppose. Although the the action Bronson cameo, which is hilarious, yeah, is pretty close to a classic Apatow. Right. <laughs> also, shout out he to just doesn't want to go to the he's just bleeding basically yeah. bleeding to death. Uh, shout out to Bill Burr. Yeah, I thought he was incredible. Yeah, in the movie, like. Uh, this this is a weak year for Oscar-worthy performances, but I would give him a supporting actor performance because I thought he was really good as the, like, I don't know, divorcee dad. Would you give Pete Davidson a best actor nomination? Oh, that's... You uh, never find... Ca- there are never characters like that nominated yeah. in those categories. It's always, like, serious and dramatic. You, it's so rare that you would see somebody who's, like, you know... I mean, I th- it was good at... <clears throat> it's very uh convincing yeah um, i agree but i i, I uh p davidson for me went from being sort of just on the periphery like i knew that he was on snl and like tom was like into him and like you were probably into him just to, like stand up and stuff and right. i was kind of like ah. not that he wasn't for me but i just hadn't really made an effort and then uh i think i daryl took we went to saw see him Mm-hmm. On Just for Laughs yeah. with uh, uh, John Mulaney. Right. And then you and heard I, he was dating Ariana Grande and you were like, I am in. No, I actually, I, <laughs> I was during that stand-up where I actually liked, uh, I mean, no disrespect to John Mulaney, but Pete Davidson sort of stole the show for me as the opener. And right. I was just like, oh, that was hilarious. And then these two movies and like this year that I saw and I was just like, oh. Like I'm just on the train yeah. now. I was just like, oh yeah, like cool. And then I wa- I watched like a bunch of interviews with him, like him giving a tour of his ha- his basement in the house that you know that he bought his mom, and like just sort of like the more of the lore around you know. And it's yeah. just always like, um, you know, I-, I I would be lying if I didn't say that I sometimes worried a little bit because he's like the type of comedian that sometimes his humor is so self deprecating that you're kind of like okay yeah you know like you kind of i mean maybe most people don't give a shit but sometimes i'm kind of like oof, that's like yeah you're really cutting yourself to the bone there on in front of like a crowd of people like you're you uh you're getting bargain basement prices on uh those pete davidson season tickets right there i'm in i'm in i'm in pete that's good because uh i have season tickets on uh, shia labeouf and i bought high and I don't know if you saw Tax Collector, but I'm pretty sure we're going to have to for the next episode. I haven't so. seen it. We were going to watch it the other night. Uh, you were in Montreal. We yeah. ended up watching Jurassic Park instead. Uh, we'll get back to that, though, in a future episode because I, I think I know what our next episode is going to be. But um, so, yeah, that was my number four. Yeah. So what is your number three? My number three is the new films. So four was like old films uh, or older films that I was catching up on. Um, not in, Both of them were pretty recent. But three was films that came out during this time one was king of staten island no need to to rehash that but the other two were defy bloods and palm springs okay palm springs is my number two okay let's talk about palm springs uh low it's like this was kind of a no-brainer for me like i love andy sandberg yeah and i saw the trailer and i was just like okay yeah i'll I'll watch that sure there wasn't like any simple as that i also no like i wasn't like super excited for it but i also wasn't like worried it was going to be bad i was just like this will be a movie that i'll enjoy uh and i did it was <laughs> i thought it was delightful i also uh had it kind of spoiled for me in that like 
I listened to interviews beforehand. They were talking about how it's what if Groundhog Day, but forever, hmm. essentially. And still, you know, I love movies that involve time travel, you know, yeah. as as we've discussed many times, you know, a la about time and et cetera. But uh, even with you could you could tell me every beat of this movie and I would have still watched it and been like, oh, yeah, sweet. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was great. It was funny. It was like um, lighthearted, even though it was about some pretty like, you know, not heavy stuff, but like poignant stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, nothing. What's not to like? Um, I would like to see. Maybe I just haven't really been paying attention, but I feel like. Um, I guess because of Brooklyn Nine Nine. Like Andy Samberg's output has been less because he's on a tv show probably sure. but yeah. like i really enjoy watching andy samberg and stuff like i love brooklyn 99 i love like uh basically any movie he's been in i didn't see the one where adam sandler is like his his dad right uh, that's my boy that's my boy i didn't see that right but yeah like I, but it's again to to use this like overused phrase that we have like i definitely like I'm I'm all in on those season tickets. Like, well, um, his writing, like everything that he's involved in, I tend to enjoy quite a bit. I also think this movie hit at a perfect time because, especially during the beginning of quarantine, people not knowing how to deal with being at home constantly, every yeah. day felt exactly the same. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd wake up, you wouldn't really leave your house. That's true. You would you would go through your routines, but like for like most people, I think your routines are kind of the same. Like for me, I wake up. First thing I do is I check my phone, then I go downstairs and I fill the kettle and put the water on so that I can make coffee in the morning and blah, 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 whatever it is. But like, it's those same motions every day. And so Mm -hmm. it almost feels like, or it felt like anyway, at the beginning of quarantine, like you were in some sort of weird time loop because nothing was changing. Yeah. And so I think a lot of people related to this movie, not just on a comedic level, but like almost like, yeah, I kind of get that right now. Yeah. And it's, it's a concept that there's so much room for like quick hit jokes right you know like which are obviously evident throughout uh jk simmons also in this film that's uh, great jk simmons yeah yeah so that was great it's great um check it out definitely if you haven't watched it i'd i'd look that up uh the other one that i that i have jotted down here is uh the polar opposite in terms of how it makes you feel and that's the five bloods which is um the new Spike Lee joint. Yeah. Uh, pretty heavy stuff. Not going to lie. I mean, it's, I, I don't, it's kind of hard to encapsulate everything that it's about, but Vietnam. Yeah. I, I know there's interstitials with uh, actual footage throughout the movie. And yeah. It's that like was jarring. Very jarring. No, no real warning. No, um, like, uh, especially early on. I would say, I have actually said that to people where I'm like, you should watch this movie, but, um, straight up spoiler alert because like kind of trigger warning like there's definitely stuff that is out there for people to see maybe you've seen some of this footage before like some of it is like pretty famous footage but it's like smash cuts like there's no lead up really it'll just show you black and white footage of somebody being like like a real person being killed in like a horrible horrible way yeah um but the film itself is one of the amazing things about it is that um it's like Spike Lee was like, well, what are all of the techniques that I know when it comes to making a movie and how can I put them all in one movie? And like they change the aspect ratio changes the, um, the way the color is used in the movie changes the, like, like the, the grain of the film changes like, and not just because it's like, Oh, this is a flashback. Although there are plenty of flashbacks, but like, um, it's almost like he was just like, he didn't feel hemmed in by using one way to shoot a movie to tell a whole story. He was just like, well, if this shot works better in like, you know, four, three aspect ratio or something, or I want to use these kinds of filters or whatever, or I want to use this, like even this, these techniques or this style, Yeah, I'm just going to do it, even if it's just for this scene. So it's like, you'd think that that would make it feel chaotic which it kind of does but that works really well with the subject matter um but yeah really um pretty heavy like i wouldn't say that it's got like a 
it's not a feel-good movie, though it does have some important messages. Um, also, the late Chadwick Boseman yeah. is in it, which is, uh, I mean, it's basically worth seeing just for that. Crazy stuff, that. Unbelievable, yeah. Uh, where would you put this in the pantheon of Spike Lee movies? Is it in your top five? Yeah, I put it in my top five. Because like, there's a lot of, Sp- I will say there's a lot of Spike Lee movies, though, that are significant and I appreciate what they say, but I don't really enjoy them as movies. And maybe I would if I went back and watched them again, but like, right. it's kind of like when somebody's like, these are the albums that you have to love because they were like, you know, they changed the way that people saw music. And right. it's like Spike Lee, his early films like were so incredible because, um, you know, there were no or next to no black filmmakers. There weren't people making movies about these kinds of things. Right. Which I respect, but from like a, and did you enjoy this movie? I, a lot of them are not Yeah, <laughs> like they don't, they don't register high on my, uh, on the scale, but I did find this to be a very, um, impactful and, and moving film. I imagine your number one is old boy and your number two is summer of Sam. And I didn't even see number old three boy. is girl six. What? I'm just I'm just listing off the worst that he did old boy. Spike Lee movies I can I love the original think. Old Boy, which yeah, I me think too. is like universal. The I Josh think Brolin one is terrible it. though. Did you see it? Yeah. Oh, it's just not good. Oh, is it I, just the same thing? Like exactly is it just like identical or is there actual like Oh it it's no, it's not identical. It's just such it's such a crazy thing to try to remake for like another audience. Like right. I, some things I understand, but like that is like I feel like there's um, there's an Asian requirement, I think, yeah, because all, of the uptightness of, and the like yeah. sort of sexual frustration of of Asian culture in general. It kind of like plays into that whole thing, whereas it's a little bit stranger. Yeah. With stra- anyway, the, the whole Vengeance trilogy, like the, the other two movies in that trilogy, which st- are com- all the characters are completely separate. Yeah, they're all just about revenge. Like I don't think I could see any of those being, even though they have remade. Like it just doesn't. Mostly just because it's not necessary. Like, I don't... Like, right. just watch the movie with subtitles. Like, there's no need to, like, necessarily... I mean, I, I agree. Why not just watch the Shot for Shot remake of Psycho with... Uh, what's his well, name? It would be different. I think I think it would be different if uh, it was like, this will bring this to a much wider audience. But, like, they didn't... I don't think Spike Lee is necessarily... Like, a lot of his films aren't movies that are, like, widely... You know, like it'd be different if they were like, yeah, this movie's being remade by fucking like, I don't know, who's somebody that makes movies that everybody sees? Uh, I'm not sure. You know what I mean, though? Like most people that I've spoken to haven't seen The Five Bloods. And there's like a whole list of Spike Lee movies. Like they know Do the Right Thing. Yeah. You know, there's movies they know that he's done. 25th Hour, Inside Man. Inside Man, sure. But like I don't, a lot of them I still think are not widely... You know what I mean? So just yeah. like weird. It's like, let's take an obs- obscure to mi- to Western audiences, like a Korean, really dark Korean film and get like a sort of an auteur director over here to remake it. I don't know. It's just whatever. It's weird. But um, well, yeah, to five bloods is good. My number three and two are already gone. Uh Devs and, and King of Scotten Island have been spoken for. So what is your number two? My number two is an album. Okay. By Klo. Australia's own Klo. K-L-L-O. The album is called Maybe We Could. And uh, it came out basically at the very beginning. Probably March. I don't remember. March or April. Um, yeah, just a fantastic album. It's just like kind of like electronic, very... Dancey, more maybe more danceable than their first album. It's kind of like uh, down tempo, electronic indie dance. I don't know. It's so hard to like classify anything by genre these days. But um, yeah, I mean, I've I've loved everything they put out, and it was like really nice to have a sort of a feel good album, especially when all the shit was hitting like hitting the fan right at the beginning. Right. Seen a lot of play. High rotation. Well, I think that uh, with COVID, we'll probably get a bunch more albums, if I had to guess. I felt like it's been kind of a slow year for music because I will queue up every every Friday when new releases come out. I'll just queue up 
all the ones that look interesting to me. Yeah. And there have been Fridays where like three albums have come out. Well, I think people are afraid to release things right now, but I think yeah. a lot of people are at home with sitting the, on stuff with a, you know, pen and a pad of paper doing the writing. Yeah. There was a really good OK Kaya like mixtape that was all songs that had to do with the pandemic. How about um, our friend Jeff Rosenstock in his 2020 dump? Yeah. I haven't listened to it yet. Pretty good. Uh, okay, my number one is uh, a movie that I shared with my partner for the first time, our illustrious producer, Elise Jacobson, uh, <laughs> called Scott Pilgrim. Versus I also shared this movie. Okay, go on. And uh, it, in my mind, it, hel- it holds up just as perfectly as it did when I first saw it in theaters, uh, opening weekend, I think. Uh, I went to see this movie and I, you know, I wasn't really familiar with Edgar Wright at the time. Like I kind of, I had seen Shaun of the Dead, you know, and I was like, okay, and you know, that's fine, whatever. And then I saw this movie and I was just like, what is happening here? The mixture of like, you know, just ticks all the boxes the same way that like, you know, a stranger things or something would tick all the boxes for me. It's just, yeah, they're playing Zelda music whenever uh, somebody enters the room. Yeah. You know, there's like uh, energy bars. He, he at one point gets an extra life. Yeah. And then uses that extra life. It uh, And then the syncopation with the music and stuff, it's perfect. As far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's... I do really enjoy that movie, but I also read the comics, like, as they were coming out. Really enjoyed the comics. Yeah. Got them over there on the shelf. That's it. The full-color versions. Uh, if Ooh, you, I haven't even seen those. If you could, uh, just uh, grace us with your... A finest rendition of Ramona, please. Oh, <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? No, I refuse. Ramona. Ramona. I don't even it's remember good. the tune of it, but that that's pretty much it. Yeah. Finished? <laughs> Bread makes you fat? Um, yeah, it's weird because, okay, so we can kind of tie this in. My number one. Wait, on my- did you do your number two already? Yeah, my number two was the music. Oh, yeah, right, right, yeah. But my number one ties into this because my number one was that, as you mentioned, yeah. my partner, Neve, uh, moved in at the beginning of basically when all this shit was going down. Yeah. Um, and I've had ample opportunity to share some of my favorite things and to also just like things that we both watch, like... So are you saying uh, your number one is sharing things with your number one? That's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Um, but one of the things we watched was Scott Pilgrim. Uh, hit different. Definitely wasn't like, uh, wasn't getting like a two thumbs way up. But I will say that like I can, add, I, there's some things where that would happen and I would just be like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Scott Pilgrim, I understand because I feel like it's like, a very very is like the definition of like a cult like it's speaking to a very specific person and not that i'm saying that somebody that is not that person couldn't enjoy this movie but like i get why there are people just be like i don't hate this movie but like i don't really get it right because it would be like i don't know what the equivalent would be really like any old you could take any old graphic novel even something like ghost world totally different type of movie but i feel like ghost world is like if you read the comic and then yeah. you saw the movie, you saw who they cast, how like the decisions they made to like bring this like really quirky, weird little story to like life on the screen. I feel like there could be lots of people that would watch this and just and watch that and be like, this is just like really weird and depressing. I don't really get like Steve Buscemi, super sad, like pathetic guy. Right. These people are all mean. Like why, why is this like an enjoyable experience? And it's like, well, no, like it's, so Scott Pilgrim's on the other end of the spectrum. It's like so bombastic. Like it's so over the top and crazy and yeah. seems just like a dog's breakfast of things. But it's like if you grew up playing all of these aforementioned like old school video games, you're super into RPG, like JRPGs and stuff like that. You read a lot of comics. You're into that type of music. And like that scene, if you're plugged into all of those things and you read the comics and it's like based in Toronto, it's like there's like a lot that I think what makes that movie so enjoyable to people that love it is that it like is a really good realization of something that 
they already like liked in all in all of these different facets you know what i mean like it's like so it's kind of inside like it's like a the movie is like an inside joke and you can still watch it and enjoy it but you might not get why somebody would like lose their mind over it because well you just don't care about those things in the same way or or at least didn't experience them in the same way i will say that it is an anniversary of the film and uh, they did a live reading on on YouTube or, or Skype or however they did it, but it w- ended up on YouTube. And uh, we actually started by watching the live reading, or I was watching the live reading, and, and Elise walked into the room and was like, hey, what's this? And I sat down and watched it for a while, and I think that was entertaining enough. And then you see all the people who are in it, like Aubrey Plaza and Chris Evans and et cetera. You know, the list goes on and on and on. Um, Brie Larson. And, yeah, and it was enough. Uh, of an entertaining sort of live reading that you were just like, okay, well, let's see what this movie's about. And so I think that the door had already been opened to the weirdness. It wasn't like a, an immediate sort of uh, smack in the face. Another. You want to say something? We also had a two-day-old baby the day we watched it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was this wonderful little relief. I see. There you go. So if you have a newborn child, watch Scott Pilgrim. Check out Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> It'll fix you right up. Um, The other thing that you just kind of pointed out about not being into or not knowing as much about Edgar Wright. So you hadn't seen like Hot Fuzz or anything? Uh, Or like Outworld? I wasn't really paying attention. Like I watched a really good um, summary of his his film, his, the way that he makes movies on YouTube, like a very brief thing. It's all about how comedy movies these days have lost um sort of the the physicality and like using using the actual technique of filming uh and cinematography to like make a punchline yeah um the point being that most comedy movies or films everything that happens that's funny is like all on the actors it's on the screen it's like framed like you're just seeing something happen and the thing that's happening is funny but what Edgar Wright does in like all of his movies that he's like brilliant at, like the the people that he works with, is he like does a lot of like the cuts, the way the camera moves. Like he actually like, you know, things that seem stupid, like maybe like, a, uh, you know, somebody's the motion of somebody's body turning into something like a like a beer tap or like a car door opening or you know what i mean like simulating thing and some of it is he's so good at doing it that you don't even notice it and you're just like there's something weird or kind of funny about a scene and it takes like a couple repeat viewings to be like oh i just see what he did he used like picture in picture or he you know like but um it gave me like a a way deeper appreciation for films of his that I already really liked. Yeah. Um, just by being like, wow, that's like really very clever. And it's just sort of, you know, the type of thing where I'm like, I'm interested to see anything he's going to work on because I know that he's going to find the baby driver Yeah, is like a perfect example. The way that like the music is, he, he like, there are parts of that movie where the beats that are hit, like you don't even appreciate how, precise everything was and how much work went into making it so that like the way the characters are moving the actions they're taking the way that sound is edited like is all perfect like it's all like timed out it's insane right um and i think with baby driver i feel like that was really lot like people enjoy that movie because it's just like a fun action movie but like that aspect of it is like lost on most people that watch it until they see it a couple times and they're like oh shit i just realized that this entire chase scene, every single sound effect that happens is like on the beat, like on a four, four beat with the music, like the way that the people are moving, the way that like lines are delivered, all of it like fits within like the signature. It's like an okay go video or a fat. Yeah, exactly. Like the whole movie is like an okay. It's amazing. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but yeah, yeah. Scott Pilgrim, I'm down. That's actually hilarious. Uh, that's actually hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's a great movie. Uh, I give it two thumbs way up. I also give sharing content with your significant other that they have not yet seen. Also just, two thumbs. Just way drowning up. them in content. Just right. bombarding them with. We watched all the MCU. We're four seasons into Game of Thrones. We watched Star Wars. We watched. Uh, I mean, we did. We only watched just the New Hope. We haven't watched the other eight movies. And the what's that? 
Blade Runner. Yeah, but some of those are just like stand. That's uh, yeah, I guess that qualifies. But like those are. Well, I'm just thinking of things that are like, like the MCU is like 22 films and a bunch of TV shows, and like Game of Thrones is like a bunch of episodes. But like Blade Runner. People just, make jokes, but I don't think Blade Runner really counts. People should just everybody should just see Blade Runner. Two really long I, both films. Both of them. Uh, I think you should watch Star Wars chronologically, and just see what happens. Starting at Phantom Menace. That's correct. We are we already spoiled it because we started with a New Hope. That's okay. Go back and watch Phantom Menace. Yeah, th- then you won't be disappointed. It'll actually, you know, peak at a point, and then you can get disappointed again. I just saw a headline today that said that um, Liam Neeson uh, said that the reception of episode one and Jar Jar Binks character ruined the, that actor's career. Like he was talking about how like that guy, the guy that played Jar Jar has like his career. He just like, that was it. Like it was that movie. And then well, nobody would, I mean, Jake Lloyd's not doing so great either. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, it, the, uh, that's the, true. The curse of the phantom menace. Um, <sighs> anyway, uh, that is our list. Uh, I think that our next episode will be back to regularly scheduled programming. Yeah, do we even need to do recommendations? I got one, but we don't really need them because we just recommended like a bunch of stuff, an hour and a half worth of stuff. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll hold off on the recommendations for the next time. Uh, schedule is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be whenever the fuck we feel like. So yeah, uh, there we go. Um, deal with it. Yeah, I wish I had like a meme that you could see for the deal with the thing. Anyway, uh, <laughs> next episode will be, I'm thinking of ending things as mm. the hidden gem. gem and the tax collector as the, you gotta love it. And we'll see how that goes. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the tax collector is Shia LaBeouf's latest opus in which he plays a, uh, it's been clarified, a white person living in a Latino sort of neighborhood slash world in LA in which he is the uh, tax collector for uh, a Latin mob. And by tax, you know, he just means like taking money from drug dealers and whatnot. And I'm thinking of ending things is the, I want to say second or third, maybe third movie uh, written and directed by not, not Spike Jones, Jesus. Um, who wrote adaptation? Help me out here. And being John Malkovich. Well, Spike Jones did direct them. No. The, yeah. Uh, no, Jones. no, no. But that's... Uh, yeah, no. Oh, who wrote, wrote them? them. Um, um, yeah, now that you've asked me. Why is this driving me insane? Adaptation is like... Also, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. He wrote that as well. Um, Charlie... Thank you. Oh, I was this close. I was literally just about <laughs> to say it. Yeah, Charlie yeah. Kaufman. Yeah. Char- yeah. Uh, I think it's either the second or third movie, written, both written and directed by Charlie Kaufman. Um if I'm not mistaken, there's also Synecdoche and uh, Anomalisa, maybe? Anyway, uh, it is a Netflix movie, so and I hear it's insane. So buckle up, baby. I'm ready. All right. Keep Until loving, next time. Keep loving it. Yeah. Oh, I jumped the, jumped the shark. It's okay.